Back with you, another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz talking the world of Hawkeye athletics with you. And Biz, uh, another in-person edition here as we actually get to see each other today. And you get to see my new studio here at KXNO. Yeah, this studio is uh, bigger than a couple of apartments that I had in college, Trent. You, uh, <laughs> you're working your way up. I feel like I should take a few minutes and... Uh, inform our uh, loyal listeners of all the cool things you got here you got fancy cough buttons yes there's a basketball hoop in here there's uh for some ridiculous reason a a hideous picture of of like a massively large hideous picture of Cy carrying a flag with uh no herky one to be found no that that needs to be uh item one on your agenda once you start pulling some weight around here is uh at least get a herky one to uh balance things out that's a good call yeah i've got plenty of cub stuff in here i don't see anything with the twins they're a cardinals affiliate here they don't have any card stuff but all kinds of cub stuff i assumed after this week you would just uh finally jump ship from the twins and officially become a, a padres fan full-time back to the padres well, well first <laughs> i believe they're doing your uh, brown jerseys now they again. are yes Plus, they just had the biggest uh Signing, obviously, in their history. So I assumed you had uh, just moved on to Team 1A and we're now a, a full-time Padres fan instead of a uh, My National League squad, yeah. yeah. Well, difficult, because Manny Machado is not exactly a very likable character. Doesn't like to hustle. But at least he admits it. Yeah, I, I that's give, true. I give him credit for, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, players that would like to pretend that they hustle. But, hey, you know, if you're not going to hustle, at least uh, – at least embrace the fact that that's not your role. And, but, you know, I don't know. If you're a Padres fan, you got to be excited, I think. I mean, obviously there's some risk because, yes, he's not uh, – he doesn't give the greatest effort day in and day out, but he is an unbelievable talent. And uh, the Padres have basically been a uh, complete and total afterthought, not only baseball but in the NL West for yeah. uh, a decade. So at least, at least there's hope. And they've got, uh, obviously, a lot of good young talent. So if he – if he even puts up numbers for five years, I think they've got a chance to be good in a couple. They do. They do. Well, baseball conversation aside, maybe we'll we'll dip in as the baseball team for the Hawkeyes on their way to Hawaii. Pretty good scheduling there by Rick Heller. He's a yeah, smart man. Well, and they had a nice bounce back their first weekend. Cause very uncharacteristic uh, Heller ball first game. Mm-hmm. Looks like they, they kicked the ball around and left a lot of guys on base. And then uh, – Turned it around and put in the performance you expect with the two very clean wins after that. So uh, hopefully you can go to Hawaii and make it a business trip and win at least three out of four while you're out there. Give them a chance and uh, certainly a long road ahead of them as the beginning of baseball season is here. But we're here to talk mostly basketball today. A high and a low from uh, the last time that we talked. The ridiculous win against Rutgers. I was not able to watch it live. Turned off my phone as I try to do as I'm calling something, but I left it on vibrate. And as the shot went in and off the glass Saturday night, my phone buzzed for quite a while. It, it wouldn't stop for probably a good 45 seconds, the ridiculousness. So I didn't get to see it live. Take me to that moment. As the fan that we are, it's one of those, man, I wish I could have saw that one happen. I got to see it, obviously, in hindsight, but that moment 
absolutely ridiculous. It was definitely a, a holy bleep moment because I think when it went in, I think everybody, at least everybody in my household, thought the same thing. Uh, did he bank that? I mean, because it happened so quick and it just looked so awkward that it, you know, it looked like he banked it in, in live motion, but then you thought, like, that's not really physically possible to sure. bank it the way he did. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was, I think everybody in our family, kids, my wife, me, everybody just, you know, jumped around, goes crazy. But, you know, the thing is, the more you look at it, the more amazing it is. Because mm-hmm. I saw, I, I enjoy the uh, black heart gold pants people, but they uh, sometimes, uh, I don't necessarily agree with their stance on things. I see they wrote a letter about how there was very little luck involved with that shot. Oh. And uh, I don't know how you could make that stance because <laughs> there was a whole lot of luck involved because, A, it wasn't a very good pass by Connor McCaffrey. B, I'm not sure it was even tipped by Bear. I think it might have been tipped by Rutgers. Mm-hmm. And C, you know, just pure luck that Wieskamp turned and, and – you know, I've heard people talk about that he, uh, you know, he has the wherewithal to put it up. Well, everybody would have turned and, and right. shot the ball. Nobody's yeah. just going to walk out of bounds with it. So uh, there was a whole lot of luck involved. But you know, sometimes it's just better to be lucky than good, and that's kind of the uh, the takeaway from that shot. I don't think you need to overthink of it and just uh, we got lucky and we'll take it. And, and obviously, uh, our luck ran out uh, Tuesday night. Yeah, and, and had opportunities in that game before the game against Maryland. There was a concern that I had in getting by the way that they did. That I don't want to say they rest on their laurels, or but you're just you have that feeling that something's going to happen, and that can be a good thing. And having that kind of confidence that even if we're down, we'll be fine. But to get yourself down in the first place, and for a while during the Maryland game, I don't know, just it had that feeling that the guys were just waiting. All right, somebody's going to turn it on. We'll come back and we'll have a shot late. It's just so dangerous because this Iowa team isn't talented enough to be able to, oh, we'll flip the switch. This isn't the Warriors. They, they can't just flip a switch and say, and then we'll be down 18 and we'll be able to come back. They're not going to be able to do that. And you look at the rest of the schedule, there are many games I think they're going to be able to do that again. And it's just, it's a dangerous proposition to, to go down that road and say, we'll be fine because not many times you're going to come back from down 15 with four and a half to play or come down even double digits like they did against Maryland. You're playing with fire when you continue to do that. Yeah, the, the flip side of that, though, is you know, it's nice to see a team that has confidence when they're 12 or 15 down also. Yes, Cause, yes. Uh, last year, you, we got down by 15. You might as well just go start it the bus. It was over. These last three games, they would have been blown out. Yeah. And, and I, they went 2-1. and one. I love our, uh, our resiliency out of this team. You know, I was at the Maryland game, um, and what I saw, first 12 minutes, I saw a team that came out really ready to play. We were really – focused and locked in on the defensive end, you just couldn't make a damn shot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think you know, um, Turgeon said it afterwards. Maryland got lucky. We missed five or six threes that we normally make. Wieskamp had one that was completely wide open. Um, Bohannon had one. Bear had a couple early on that were all good looks. Moss had one, the airball one, I think, and he never does that. You know, we come out and make three or four out of those first seven, eight. You know, you're up you know, 22 to seven instead of 12 to seven. And then you you knew eventually Maryland was going to start making shots. And unfortunately they went from a ridiculously ice cold to a really, really hot. But, you know, I liked our effort against Maryland in general, but I agree with you that we, uh, you know, we didn't have the urgency. I thought early in the second half, I would have liked to have seen us come out with. I thought we came out kind of timid that whole second half. And for whatever reason, I don't really, can't explain it. I don't understand why, but the last two games, Tyler Cook just seems a little timid. He's 
his unwillingness to, uh, you know, take the ball to the hoop, I think has hurt us the last two games. And, you know, it's hard to complain because he's been really unselfish. You know, he's looking for other guys. But every once in a while, Cook needs to just say, give me the ball and get out of the way. Because if you look at his stats for the Maryland game, he had four shots. Yeah. Three were dunks, and one was one that got blocked and got stuck in the side of the hoop. Those are his four <laughs> shots. He didn't take a single shot outside of uh, six inches, which, you know, part of that's people game planning. They're, uh, you know, they're going to give him that outside shot. And I think most Iowa fans are happy when he doesn't take that outside shot, but occasionally you got to take it just to keep people honest. Yes. And, and he stopped doing that. So, you know, I'd like to see him come out and be <laughs> – you know, his usual self, I guess, the last two games because you know, he's had such a good year and he's been so consistent. It's been kind of surprising to see him have a, kind of a lull the last two games. And it's going to – it happens pretty much every year. You know, and, and lulls are different for different players. Garza's going through one right now. Cook isn't playing his best. Everybody goes through these ebbs and flows throughout the course of the season. And I think one thing that we've talked about a lot throughout this year, boy, wouldn't it be fun to see – everybody click on this team. I mean, there is so much offensive talent. Maybe that game was the Illinois game where, what, Moss was 5-for-5 five five and Wieskamp was 4-for-4, four four, or maybe they hit 5-6, and six, whatever it was. Maybe that was the game that it seemingly all clicked. But if this team offensively puts it all together, you know they're never going to be a great defensive team, but just how good it can be. Still waiting for that moment, though, out of this group. It, it seems like as one, but one guy steps forward and we finally see Bohannon come forward and start making some shots. Now Garza's in a funk, and you mentioned Cook's in a funk, and Moss is playing well at times again, but he had a stretch where he wasn't playing well. It just that's another frustrating part. Maybe that's just basketball, though. You know, well, when you're when you're playing nine guys, they can't all play well at the same time. And I worry that we're not going to see a 100% Joey's camp the rest of the year. Also, I mean, at the back, being there at the game, you really get the sense that he's not 100% healthy. He did a lot of you know, he's never a guy that's going to complain. You're never going to hear him say that it's affected him, but you watch him at the games, you know, he does a lot of kind of just, you know, as somebody who's had back problems forever, I can usually recognize when somebody's, uh, you know, not comfortable with their back. And, and he did a lot of the same kind of fidgeting around type things that, that I do, which is the only way you'll ever compare myself in, in Joe Wee's camp is that we have, <laughs> we have old man back problems. But uh, I just worry, you know, if he didn't get healthy, if that six day break, he's not going to get healthy the rest of the year because we've got a pretty, uh, pretty packed schedule the rest of the way so you know it's a good segue you talked about uh you know will we see everybody click on all, all cylinders that's kind of one of the things i asked uh stat boy about this week because clearly we've got unbelievable balance mm -hmm. as a team and i kind of put him on the uh on the prowl to see just how good of a balance how good a balance we've had as a team so you ready to dig into some numbers and see uh if everybody gets hot at the same time just how uh how tough we can be. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to this and a lot of weapons on this team. Even Macy Daly stepped up <laughs> I don't for a good two minutes. I'm not sure anybody would ever uh, confuse <laughs> Macy Daly with a weapon, but it was funny. My, my son and I went to the game, and we sat in a random section that clearly most of the people in our section were season ticket holders because they all uh, knew each other and were kind of joking around. And the general consensus of the eight to ten people around us was that they all uh, – Felt quite strongly that Macy Daly should no longer be playing anymore. So, and I, I can't say that I necessarily disagreed with him, but we got a few good minutes out of him. Yes, on, on Tuesday, and they all kind of, uh, they all kind of chuckled when that happened because I think <laughs> they all had kind of agreed that maybe Macy Macy's 
role has run its course this year. It felt like that three-pointer was the first one he'd hit since November. I don't know if that's actually the case, but when he hit that, I was mouth agape shocked. I was shocked that he, that he took it. I mean, I mean, that, last, yeah, that's another part. The yeah. last five games, he hasn't even looked at the hoop, mm-hmm. which I don't blame him. I think he's shooting like 18% for the year, so at some point you got to just uh, stop and cut your losses. But it, it was nice to see at least one go in for him. And he actually yeah. made a nice drive to the hoop in the he first did. half also. So. Give him credit, but but he's not one of the five guys we'll be uh, we'll be talking about when I'm talking about good balance. All right. So with Moss scoring 12 on Tuesday, that nudged him up to 10.0 for the year average of 10 points per game, which means we have five guys that are averaging uh, double digits currently. The five starters are all in double digits, which uh, I put Stat Boy on the job, and we found out that, that that doesn't happen very often. And when it does happen, it's generally a uh, a very good sign for team success. So you ready to dig into the uh, the past teams that have had five players with double-digit scoring? Well, you, I got a little preview of this from Stat Boy, so yeah, going to be uh, a little bit at least uh, forewarned with some of this stuff. Well, and I don't, I don't think he gave away any of any of the quiz questions I have for you. And, and if he, if he, even if he didn't, uh, now that I'm here live, I noticed you can cheat on any of the 17 TV screens that you have around <laughs> you. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of monitors in there, here. There may be some uh, some credence to our friend Serger's Hands off the keyboards. Are, right. I'm good. I'm good. All right. Keep your hands in plain sight over there. So so the first time it happened, Trent, you got to go back over 60 years. So uh, I didn't ask Satwood to go back that far. Good. As usual, he, uh, he overperformed. So the first time it happened, one of the most famous Iowa teams of all time, the 55-56 team, uh, Big Ten champs. They went all the way to the national title game and lost to who in the national San game? Francisco and Bill Russell. That is correct. It's an easy one for you. Okay. Lost to Bill Russell. Had five guys uh, in double digits that year and, a, and an all-time great team. Uh, the second one is, is another all-time great team, and, and it's I know my dad's favorite team of all time, the, uh, the 1969-70 team, 14-0 in the Big Ten, had two of the more famous – players in Iowa history they are John Johnson and downtown Freddie Brown there you go so I want to break in break this one down a little bit because this team was just insane not only did they have five guys in double digits four of them scored 17 plus that year without the three-point line without the three-point line they played a total of 24 games all year and they put up more than 100 as a team 13 times in 24 games Glenn the stick on this team uh, yes, he was one, and uh, the old, uh, young, the, the older Calabria as well okay. was, was one. And I can't, I'm drawing a blank on the fifth person right now. But those are the four that averaged 17 or more. Um, but you remember how their season ended? Uh, by Pembroke, the guy from Jacksonville? That is correct. Yeah. Impressive, Trent. They lost to Jacksonville on a tip-in. Jacksonville, the tip-in was by a 7'2", Pembroke Burroughs third, which means uh, – <laughs> Bruno Fernando doesn't even own the title for the weirdest, uh, quirkiest name to beat us on a tip-in. Uh, I'll take Prembuk Burroughs the third over uh, over Bruno Fernando. So. And Artis Gilmore also on that team, is yes, that right? Yes, a very good Jacksonville team. 104-103. Um, and then the bizarre thing about that, back then there was only 16 teams in the tourney. After we lost, we went ahead and played another game. We, we, we won the third-place game and put up 121 against Notre Dame. So third place of the third Midwest Regional? The regional, correct. So, so, so technically we got somewhere between 13th and 16th, or no, between no? 9th and 12th yes. in the nation that year. So we can, we can claim we're number nine, I guess. 
The third team, Trent, we can zip through it really quickly because it is by far the worst of the uh, the teams that have had five. It was Lute Olson's first year, 1974-75. They went 10-16. and 16, And uh, stop me when you know one of these names. Okay. Dan Frost. Nope. Scott Thompson. Hmm. Larry Parker. Larry Moore. And Bruce King. Bruce King. Say Bruce King. Uh, that was the one name that rang a bell to me. And he is a was a rebounding machine. I think he's still top five rebounder in Iowa history. So. <laughs> but, yeah, not a good team. But Lute, uh, Lute had some balanced scoring. So, the second of Lute's uh, entries in this category was another unbelievably memorable team. The final four team from 79-80 had five guys, uh, led obviously by Ronnie Lester, mm-hmm. but then uh, Arnold, Boyle, Craftsison, and Brookins all averaged double digits as well. So, Which, uh, no Bobby Hanson his freshman year, right? Correct. He averaged, I believe, like five or six okay. that year. So, um, and technically, it wasn't five starters because by the end of the year, Lester was not starting because he was coming off the bench after his, after his knee problems. So, was that we, a good move? I wonder where, where medicine is today. They would have said, you know what? It'd be good for you to sit over here for seven, eight, ten minutes and then go into the game. Yeah. Eventually, it'll loosen up on its own. Right. Chris, so. <laughs> so then we jump into the 80s. The next two we can kind of block together um, as back-to-back years. We, we've talked about the 86-87 team uh, – Almost every time we go in the time machine, and, and they uh, they fit this one as well. Uh, 86, 87, Trent, Trent, I'll give you a hint. Only two of the three, big three, averaged uh, more than 10 that year. Marble and Armstrong? Marble and Armstrong. Horton did not. Can you name the other three? I think you should be able to name all three. The other three, 86, 87, Lowhouse? Lowhouse is correct. Okay. The other two, one is your all-time favorite. Jeff Moe. And the other one... If you don't get it, it's because you just simply forgot he was on the team. Ken Hill? No. Nope. Made, the, made the shot that got us to the Elite Eight. Kevin Gamble. Kevin Gamble, correct. So so then the next year, they do the for the one and only time in Iowa history, six guys in double digits. Uh, the big three. The big three and Mo are four of them. Um, the other two are, are tough. If you can get either one of the other two, I'll be impressed. So the year following – the Elite Eight run. This is the year that they lost in the round of 32 or Sweet 16 to Arizona. Sweet 16. Lost to Arizona. Other on that team. Jepson didn't play until the following year. I'll give you a hint. The other two, one is a, uh, a white big guy. The other one is a, uh, a, a black wing player. Black wing player, white big guy. I was thinking Reeves. That's not it. Nope. Oh, you got five seconds, Trent. We're running. Give it to me, Al Lorenzen uh, and Bill yeah. Jones. Bill Jones, I would not. No, have got as I say, Bill Jones. Lorenzen, really Lorenzen, I think you got vanilla grill. I should. So that's six, and we jump ahead to the the mid nineties. Two straight years again with uh, five guys that, that average double digits. One, a really bad team, but uh, a lot of young talent. Ninety three, ninety four, we go eleven and sixteen. But lots of talent on that team. Uh, Kingsbury it, nope, Settles not, group? Not yet. It was, well, it was Settles, yes. But James Winters was the uh, senior star yeah. that year. He averaged a lot. And then there were four younger guys uh, in Settles, Murray, Jim Bartles, and Russ <laughs> Millard that, uh, that that filled out the, the five. That team should have been better than they were that year. Yeah, that was some really young guys. Yeah. But then 94-95, um, 21-12 season, Winters graduates – uh, Millard is not one of the five, but there's two new Hawkeyes that come in, two very well-known Hawkeyes. You should be able to get both. You already, Kingsbury. You already, Kingsbury is one, and the other one is? 
Uh, Andre Woolridge. That is correct. Yeah. So Woolridge and Kingsbury take over for uh, Winters and Millards. It's not hard to see why they went from 11 wins to 21. Yes. So. Then we get to the very last time, Trent. It's, only, it's been 15 years since we've had this kind of balance. The last time it happened, 2003-2004. Another mediocre team, but a lot of talent on this team. Um, the five guys are uh, four white guys and, and uh, an African-American wing player again. I think you can get all five. Okay, so Bruner, Horner. That's correct. Haleska. Nope, wasn't there yet. Wasn't there yet. Um, Pierre Pierce. That is correct. Two and more white real, guys. A really little point guard and a really big white guy. Little point guard and white point guard. Yeah. Oh, uh, Lurishman? No. 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 You've been gone way before. Yes, that. yes. Brody Boyd. <laughs> the little, little he's Brody not a Boyd. point guard. He was a two guard. Well, he was, he was a little bugger was, from Duggar. That's true. Uh, I, but that the big, big guy you should be able to get. Yep. Reiner. Jared Reiner is the last All one. Right. So, so that's, the, that's it, Trent. It's been 15 years since we've had this kind of balance. But if you look at it, you go back, you've got – Two teams that were Big Ten champs, one an Elite Eight team, one Final Four team, and seven out of the nine made the tourney. So, And you've got a championship game team. So uh, generally a good sign when you get this kind of balance. Now we just got to get, gotta get all five of them uh, clicking on the same all, – all cylinders at the same time. That would be good to get see. Get hot in March for once. Doesn't happen very often. And, or uh, late February, I guess. Tw- <laughs> 20 years since the last Sweet 16. I was just – when that happened – as Dr. Tom was exiting, you were you were gone. I watched uh, the game. Yeah, the, we were, I was in Florida actually. We were at, in spring break, and uh, it was me to... and Dumps that were hanging out at the at Jake's watching the Sweet Sixteen game. You guys were all partying in Florida. I drove I drove down there with Nick Cocker and Beef and, and a, some of Beef's shady high school friends. So uh, <laughs> an interesting trip to say the least. But if you would have told us twenty years would pass and we wouldn't see him again on the second weekend, it was unthinkable at the time. Absolutely well, unthinkable. And unfortunately, 20 years ago, you couldn't find a place that had the Iowa-Arkansas game on down there. I, I believe Florida was playing around the same time. Okay. So uh, we we ran around hectically trying to find the game, and uh, I think we only saw about four minutes of it. We got to see the last <laughs> few minutes once uh, the other games finished. So, uh, but e- even if uh, even if we did see it, I probably wouldn't remember much of it anyway. That whole week was kind of a haze. Well, to make a run here and and to Maybe eclipse some of these teams that they talk about. Going to have to get hot. You talked about the hot of the re- end of the regular season here. Five games remaining, three of them on the road, though none of them overly daunting. All five of these, I think, are also losable, too. But it's a chance to get a place that Iowa hasn't got very often, 25 wins. Yep. Well, if the last three games have shown us anything, Trent, is that uh, every single game the Hawks play the rest of the way could, could clearly be a win or could very easily be a loss because uh, – you know, obviously the last three basically came down to a, a coin toss, and we, we've mm-hmm. uh, we've guessed right two out of the three. But but like you said, 25 wins is kind of the magic number, and uh, if we want this to be a, uh, a a season where we get back to the Sweet 16 or even win a game in the Big Ten, we're likely going to ha- or win a game in the NCAA. We're going to have to get 25 or more wins. So I had Stat Boy take a peek at a couple different things. How often? We win 25 or more, and also how often we avoid double-digit losses. Oh, okay. And when you combine the two, it's pretty amazing. So let's let's talk 25 or more first. How many times in Iowa history have Iowa basketball teams won 25 or more games? So this is at the end of the season. At the end of the season. Wherever Last game, it concludes. Wrap it up. Yep. How many times? I would say six. 
you are twice as high as, as the correct number. Oh, no. Three times only. Okay, well. So the first one's obvious. 86-87. Yep. The next two. NIT championship run. That is correct. That is the last of the three. And, and like I said, the next that one really, for all intents and purposes, really shouldn't count. Right. Yeah. 25 and 13. <laughs> benefited by five postseason wins, including the run to the NIT championship. So, uh a nice season, but certainly not a uh, all-timer. Right. Um, the last of the three, Trent, is known, unfortunately, for how the season ended, um, because uh, there was a lot of promise and then complete heartbreak uh, in the NCAA tournament. Was it the? So we said eighty-six, eighty-seven. Yep. We this s- one was much clo- much much more recent. The the team with uh, like four years ago. No. Nope. No. Northwestern State year. 05-06. Oh, we were 25-9 and, and nine that year. Oh. Which, uh, yeah, a heartbreaking uh, year. So it's amazing, Trent. We have only had one team in Iowa history that's had more than 25 wins. So <laughs> if you think about it, if this team can win, and this is, none of this, is, I think, is a stretch, if they win three out of their last five, mm-hmm. potentially win, you know, if you can get two Big Ten wins out yeah. of there somehow, and then one NCAA win, even just one, that's 26 wins, and you're looking at the second most successful season of uh, of all time from a, from a wins perspective. So, uh, you know, Historic. I always had I always had a good history of, of teams that are good enough to get there, but not mm-hmm. great teams. And I guess we'll find out in the next month uh, whether this team falls into category A or category B. So, on the flip side, the 10 losses or less. Um, only three times in the last 30 years has Iowa ended a season with less than 10, uh, less than 10 losses. And, and all three times it ended with nine. So the Horner Bruner year, Horner Bruner year, we were 25 and nine. And then twice in the nineties, we went to 92, 93 and 95, 96. We ended the year 23 and nine. So when you add it up, the Horner Bruner year and the 86, 87 year are the only two years in, in Iowa history with 25 or more wins and uh, 10 or, or less losses. So, uh, like I said, if we can somehow go 4-1 and one down the stretch, get a Big Ten win and an NCAA win, uh, I think you have to consider this to be a uh, not just a good year, but a great year. Well, I'm looking at 34-6. and six. Let's just win out. Well, there you go. That's even better. So, yeah. we'll, we'll see you at uh, Minneapolis in, uh, Speaking of, in a month and a half. Your boy, T.C., Got my credentials approved for the final four. Did you just refer to yourself in the third person? Of course, yes. So that, I, I wow. can do that when we're in person together. That is, uh, <laughs> that is big time, Trent. Now that I've seen your uh, your digs here, I, I I thought it would at least take you a few months to uh, nope. to start doing that. So I am credentialed for the final four. So uh, live reports. So are you credentialed for all the other things leading up to it? Big Ten tournament. Uh, everything else i could but uh i can't get away from home that often so and you know you gotta gotta find sponsors and all that fun stuff let's be honest tara's gonna be fine if you're <laughs> well there, there's no it's doubt probably, it's probably best for both of you oh, you're right yeah she'd just be much. more more annoyed that i'm not around than anything also trent oh i didn't there's more start but congratulations oh thank you thank yeah, you very I much saw, i saw the uh the exciting news that the condon family is going to be uh, a, a family of four come uh was it september uh August. August. Well, that's good, that's good family planning. Yeah, t- timing has never been one of my strong suits. And, uh, yeah, so football season, you know, we've had conversations about maybe Floyd Aboner going on the road for the 20th anniversary. I don't think that'll be in the cards. Maybe 21st year 
when Floyd Boner is legal drinking age. Maybe that'd be a good year for it. Well, I show, I showed my daughter the, the picture of Ella announcing that she was going to be a big sister. My, mm-hmm. my, my daughter is super excited. She really loves she really loves Ella from the, the two times <laughs> they've met at tailgates. So they're, she's they're very best of friends. Very opinionated, like her mother. Well, that's not nothing wrong with being opinionated. No, Trent. no. It's what got you these fancy digs. That is true. That is true. What's your prediction for tomorrow? Do we uh, take care of business against a, uh, uh, yeah, that's a crumbling good. Hoosier squad? I, you know, I, I was thinking it's hard to wrap your mind around any. No, it's not. They're terrible. This is a bad basketball. It's a talented basketball team. There's talent on it, but they're not a good team. And after losing in the fashion that they did against Purdue, I don't see them coming in motivated for this game. Iowa, get on them early. Control the game, win it 8, 10, 12 points. That's kind of what I see. Can you envision, outside of them hitting a bunch of shots, a realistic scenario where this is an inspired Hoosier team coming into Carver tomorrow night? The only way it happens is if we let them get off to a great start. If, if they somehow get off to a 12-2 run or something like that, I could see them uh, deciding they want to be here. But, you know, they're kind of the opposite of Rutgers and Maryland. I mean, the last two games we were in a war as far as teams that could meet our – could meet up with our physicality in the post and teams that just played get inside your shirt man-to-man defense. And, and obviously we struggle with both of them. And Indiana's just the opposite. When we went to Indiana, I thought that should have been a 15-point Iowa win. I thought we had, you know, we had opportunities to put them away. I thought some of the officiating was uh, questionable. Um, I, I thought, you know, they got a lot of breaks and we still found a way to beat them. So if we come out ready to play and we put in – the type of effort that uh, we have usually at home, uh, ignore the Northwestern game for, for most of it. <laughs> I, I'm confident we beat them by by, by double digits. I just I think you you hit the nail on the head. They're a team that uh, is ready to pack it up and and be done. I think Langford's got one foot out the door. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Miller is still trying to figure out which players actually want to play hard, and he hasn't found that yet. So I think if we come out ready to play, I think it should be. Knock on wood, a relatively easy win. And then it's Ohio State after that on Tuesday, a road trip. But, again, not one that seems overly daunting. If there's road trips to win, and I was had a lot of success historically in Value City Arena, I think the first team to ever win in that building was Kyle Galloway and the Hawkeyes 15 years ago. I uh, just just coached against Kyle Galloway in a, uh, a thrilling third-grade basketball game a while back. So, uh, nice fella. So. With that, let's get out of here. Another edition of Business Beat. Hey kids, gather around for business beat of the day. Okay, here's business beat of the day. <sighs> hey Trent, uh, this is obviously not a, a hot take in any way, but uh, cancer sucks. And we all know that, and unfortunately you and I know that uh, more than usual this week. As, as a very, very good friend of, of both of ours, uh, let us know that, that he's, he's battling cancer and then he's going to be uh, going under the knife tomorrow so uh to anybody listening to this uh keep our good friend in your thoughts and prayers and uh stay strong and uh you know obviously it's a, it's a disease that uh every single one of us uh knows about and, and has been affected by either you know personally or family members or friends that have had it and uh you know obviously this week it, it, it's hit home and uh you know Thoughts and prayers go out to our good friend. No doubt, yeah. And uh, with that, you know, we say go Hawks, but more importantly, go to our big buddy uh, up there and hope everything goes well with that. Biz, well said. We will try this again next week. Well, I think he would, he more than anyone would like it, just uh, go Hawks.